Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23rd, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. One of the struggles with the opioid epidemic one of the toughest parts of it is the struggles that parents have when their children fall prey to addiction. Oftentimes we find ourselves in crisis mode on that moment that we learn that our loved one has become addicted to pain pills or heroin. Here today I have two parents with me that have done something about that. Both of them have children that have struggled with opioid dependence, and they've taken action. They have established a website called Dawn's Early Light, a new day and a new beginning. So I'd like to introduce Dawn Sherma, who is the founder of Dawn's Early Light. So Dawn, welcome. You're welcome, thank you for having us today. Okay, and Tammy Lauer, who is the president of Dawn's Early Light. Tammy, nice to have you here. Thank you, nice to be here. All right. So let's start off by telling that story that may not be very easy to tell, but I think that it's really, really important to share. Who'd like to start? Dawn? I'll start. (laughs) Um, My daughter is a recovering heroin addict. I'm happy to say that she is 21 months and nine days clean today. Tremendous. Uh, Thank you. How Um, How did it all start? I mean, I was normally started with the I'm smoking marijuana, and she did ecstasy, mushrooms, cocaine. Yes, you know, kind of. She did that, you know, throughout high school. But it all really, really started. She was in a car accident, and she was given painkillers, and she kept going back to the doctors every. As soon as the prescription would end, she'd go back and. Just keep going back until, obviously, the insurance companies caught wind of what she was doing and cut her off from getting any more um, prescriptions. Um, She went to heroin because it was cheaper than the pills. Um, I kind of knew she was doing it, but was in denial. I didn't believe it when her friend told me that she was doing it. I'm like, no, not my daughter. You know, no way. There's no way. It can't be. So her friend came to you. What made her come to you and and disclose that? Um, Worried, scared. Mm -hmm. 
and she know that I needed to know to get her the help. And we tried to do an intervention with her, and that was a downfall. It didn't work at all. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, with a doctor or anything. It was just, you know, family and her friends. And she she admitted to doing it, but she wanted no part of getting help. She didn't care. Just this was her life. She liked the way she felt. She didn't care. So what happened to make her change her mind and decide that she did, in fact, want help? Um, it was like it was a three-year struggle. Um, I called the cops on her a couple of times. She did some jail time for it. And when she got out of jail, she stayed clean for about a month after jail. And then she fell back into it again. And then I wouldn't let her live with me or anything. She said, nope, you can't be here. I love you, but no, you can't be here. And... She That's was, a tough thing to do. It is. Shut but, the door on your daughter. You know, they do say tough love works. At this time, it really didn't work at the time. But um, I have, I still have a younger, you know, I have a teenager, younger 13-year-old at home at the time he was 10. And I have custody of her son as well. And, you know, he's there. So it's like they can't be around this. Maybe if it was just me, myself, and I with her, maybe I could have handled that but not with younger kids in the house. I couldn't do that. And plus with her being there, I enabled. She needed money, okay, here you go. Because I believed her when she said, you know, she needed cigarettes, she needed shampoo, whatever, you know, just anything she could think of, I, I believed her. So how did you finally get her into treatment? Um, she was living with her boyfriend at the time and she actually sent me a text while I was at work and said, mom, I need help. Can you please help me? And before I texted her back, I was on the internet searching with tears of happiness that she wanted the help. And I asked her, I go, what made you decide to do this? Said she woke up and just seen needles laying all over the floor, mm. not knowing what she did the night before. And she said it disgusted her, she said. And... We found her help, and it was kind of hard because she didn't have insurance, and she wasn't on my insurance. So I talked to a few people out in Florida, and they got her in a rehab in West Palm Beach. It was for girls only, and they were very, very strict, this place, which was wonderful, but she needed that. And they had foundations that paid her way, helped pay her way through Mm. grants and scholarships. Mm. So that's how... By the dawn's early light came about. Hmm. If someone could do all the fundraising and help my child live a sober life and help her live, I want to help anybody I can to live a sober life. And this is how this foundation started, was to pay it forward to help as much as someone helped my daughter. And how long was she in treatment in Florida? Six months. Six months. Yes, and I, I believe at least six months to be um for them to be a higher success rate like i know a lot of places will do 90 days 45 days 30 days of inpatient i just don't think that's enough so she was an inpatient Inpatient for six months and that was all paid for by a grant or a scholarship Mm -hmm. through different foundations yeah Okay. Yes. Wow, fantastic. And now she's clean 21 months. Yes, okay. and I pray every day. It's still a struggle in my head every day. And I, you know, and I, people who are in recovery, I'm, I'm amazed by their struggle, what they have mm-hmm. to do every day when they wake up. 
Yeah. Anyhow, I want to kind of move over to you then, Tammy. Um, and let's um, tell us a little bit about the story of your stepdaughter who has struggled with substance use disorder, heroin yes. addiction here mm -hmm. for a while. Tell us that story. Yeah, she's 25 now. It, we, it started about, from what I know of, is when she was probably like 17. My father-in-law had passed away and she showed up to his funeral um, you know, just acting all weird and, you know, just just, just not herself. So that at that time, we kind of guessed something was going on, but we weren't exactly sure. Um, so this is, you know, it's been going on through the years. And then she gets pregnant. And, um, and we know she used during a pregnancy. Her son was born addicted. Um, but he's five now. He's he's wonderful. He's a great kid. And so he... Thank God he didn't have any, you know, adverse reactions from that. Um, and then shortly after he was born, um, he was about nine months old. Her mother has got custody of him because she started back in on the heroin again. Um, she would steal. She would, um, I mean, we had to call the cops on her twice because she, she stole our wedding rings. Um, and then, like, a couple months later, she came back. She's knocking at our door at 6 o'clock in the morning. So... You know, my husband and I, we didn't want to go to work and just leave her there, but we had no other choice. So I came back home for lunch. My TV was gone. My laptop was gone. My daughter, you know, she just totally robbed us. And at that point, we were like, we called the, the when she stole her wedding rings, we didn't press charges. But I told my husband, I said, we are pressing charges this time. So we pressed charges. And then, then later, you know, like six months later or so, she stole her mother's car and a credit card. And then so she ended up doing two years in Marysville. Hmm. So she came out of that in July, let's see, July of 2016 is when she got out of Marysville. Did she get any help there in Marysville? I don't think so. No. I know she, they, they had her, the yeah, they there. didn't treat the yeah. disease there, no. Mm -hmm. I mean, they did like little activities and stuff and, you know, but that didn't work. And then after she got on Marysville, they sent her to the Oriana House in Cleveland. She was there for a few weeks, Was started taking Percocets while she was there. So then they had to ship her back to Marysville for her to finish out her prison sentence. <clears throat> and then she came out in July, and she was living with her mother for a little while. But then like a month or after she got out, she got caught with a heroin dealer. And, um, and then she came and lived with us because she has nowhere to go. She's burned all her bridges. You know, she came to live with us, and that's when we noticed she <clears throat> she was doing crystal meth. Um, one night, she would just disappear for days on end, and we didn't know where she was. She wouldn't answer her phone, and then we get a call Saturday morning. She's down in Coshocton, Ohio, which is two hours away, that she was being she was kidnapped and being held against her will. She was somehow able to make this phone call to her mother to, you know, so then we, cause, so then we had to drive all the way down to Coshocton. She told us she was kidnapped and you could tell when we picked her up in the hospital, she was on something. Mm. So on our way to Coshocton to pick her up, I'm calling all these rehabs. So I found a place in Florida. They were going to take her in, you know, the next day and, you know, she didn't want to go. She didn't want to go. And then finally we just, you know, told her. I think we had, because we, we were seeing a counselor with her at the time, and um, the counselor, counselor kind of told her what was in the, you know, what was in the crystal meth. She said it's like made with Drano, 
or you know all the other chemicals yeah. and for yeah. some reason when we got home that night she was on the phone with the rehab saying i want to come now she's hmm. like i'm ready to go i need help so she went to florida it was 45 days she came home she was good for you know for a week or so and that's how i hooked up with dawn even though we had been friends previously we um i knew she was starting this foundation and i know my stepdaughter needed you know to go to meetings or whatnot and so i contacted dawn and so we got together with her and you know we tried to help her the best we could and then um she just spiraled out of control again so at this point we still think she's using crystal meth and mm -hmm. we don't know where she's at we haven't talked to her so as a parent it would sound as though you would be in a mode that's very frustrated yeah. with your stepdaughter just yes. very so that would seem not um, consistent with somebody that then I mean that wouldn't motivate me to be real involved in helping others to get the help that they need um, so how did that bring you to a compassionate place because I mean that, that's frustration and, and you're experiencing right now yeah, what a right. ton of parents out there experience yeah. uh -huh. which is oh my god and, and you you can't even wrap your head around some yeah, of this crazy understand. behavior yeah, that happens and everything. And unless you're really, really, you're down the road with understanding yeah. the disease, there's no way you can even relate to it. Yeah. So how do you come from that space over to a compassionate, loving, I'm going to really try and help whoever I can? Um, my friend, a friend I've had for 30-some years, her son died mm. from fentanyl overdose. Mm. So... You know, I mean, I don't think that was the actual point in time where I thought I would start helping. I just, it's just such a bad epidemic out there that, the, you know, these people, yeah. they need help. They're not bad people. You know, they just, you know, they're in a disease and they need help. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well put. So, okay, now let's talk a little bit about Dawn's Early Light and, and the mission of Dawn's Early Light. <laughs> Our mission is obviously to help as many people as we can on the excuse me on the financial end um, with the inpatient rehab. Um, started this to help anybody who you know wants and needs the help who is suffering from this disease on the financial end to help them pay for their you know if it's monthly, weekly, whatever, as much as we could do to help them be able to get into a rehab and be able to stay there long term so they can hopefully recover and do good. <laughs> so how long have you been active and doing this? Um, we just started in January. Just started in we January? We just started okay. in January. So congratulations. Oh, it's thank still you. in order. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. And so how many of you helped so far? Actually, we just helped our first one. Yeah. I'm first sending one? the check tomorrow. Yes the place yes Fantastic. yeah i'm yeah. excited i actually cried <laughs> when yeah so we're able to pay for help pay for part of them you know a month you know, i mean our portion's going towards helping to pay for a month yeah. of their stay so tell us about that tell us about the story behind this one how did you how did you learn about this person that needed help uh, um she's actually uh, a friend of mine um she works at a salon that i go to a hair salon and her son is um, a heroin addict, and he did. He was doing really good. He was, and he did. He's done rehab before. He did great. He came out, and he was sober for a year, and then just started hanging around his old friends again, and just kind of went back downhill. People, places, and things. Right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And uh, she knew that I was starting this foundation, and 
she came to me and asked me, and I at the time we were still new and we didn't have any, you know, backing. <laughs> we didn't yeah. have no money at yeah. the moment. We were trying to get our, still trying to get our name out there. And I go, I said, you know, hopefully after we have this one fundraiser, you know, we'll be able to contribute something. And she said, okay. And then she contacted me yesterday and she goes, Dawn, I really need your help. And so I called the place, told them who I was and told me how much. And I go, you'll have a check Friday. I'll mail a check wow. out to you Friday. Wow, that's fantastic. So yes. what finally made this uh, gentleman hit the wall? Um, so he needed help again. I think it's just that he hit rock bottom, just that no, no one would take him in. Mm-hmm. You know, his mom wouldn't let him in the house again. And just like, like Tammy said, you burn your bridges and you have nowhere to go. Sure. And I'm hoping this isn't just a way for him to have a place to stay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, hey, if I could, if we could do our part in trying to help out, we will. Yeah. So did he go locally or remotely? Locally. Locally. Yeah. You know, we... Cause, Originally, we were trying to find him a rehab um, out of state, but a lot of out of states, like when my daughter went, she said she didn't have the insurance and that, and they helped her get some type of insurance that paid for a little bit through the state. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't do that. You have oh, to be yeah. a resident Oh. Okay. now to be able to get the insurance. Yeah. I don't know how that worked with my daughter, but yeah. they made it work. Mm-hmm. So he went locally. Okay. So I'm just praying when he's done and gets out that he stays away from the people. That it all clicks. That it all yeah. clicks together. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So um, I know both of you are very passionate about helping others and about this cause. So what other messages would you like to convey to people out there um, that maybe are struggling with substance use disorder and heroin addiction? I would like to say you're not alone. I mean, you have there are so many people out there who are living the same nightmare you are, you know, you're living. You know, you, you reach out to anybody, you know, and it, you know, talking will help and just do the best you can to live with your situation, but you know, there are people out there that can that you can talk to and that can help you. Go on. Yes, I was going to say the same. Um and there is hope. There is hope after recovery. There is life after recovery. It's just, it takes time. It's, like Tammy says, it is a struggle. Um, as much as you want to do the tough love and it hurts to do the tough love, you also have to let them know that you do love them and you will support them through their recovery. And especially when they come out of recovery, you have to be there for them during their struggles because they will struggle every single day of the rest of their life. They will fight this disease every single day. And you have to know that you are there for them that if they feel like they're going to go back and relapse, you know, relapse, that you want that open communication, that they can come to you and say, Mom, Dad, or, you know, whoever, that, you know, I'm, I got that feeling, I need, I got that itch, I want to, I'm going to fall back. You know, so you want that communication to be open, that they feel comfortable to come to you when they feel like they may relapse. Sure. So... If someone wants to learn more about your organization or donate to this cause, how would they go about that? Um, we do have a website. It is um, www.bythedawnsearlylight1.us. It is under construction right now, but there will be a donate 
um, button on there, or we do have a Facebook page as well for the foundation, which is um, by the dawn's early light, a new day, a new beginning. And there is a, There's a donate. donate button on there. Yes. Any final comments for our listeners there, Tammy? Um, anybody struggling out there, like I just said earlier, you're not alone. We're here. There's resources that you can turn to where you can get help for you know yourself or your loved one, whoever is struggling. You know, it's, it is a disease. It's not, you know, they don't choose this life. And just be there to support them. Don, same question. <laughs> I agree with Tammy. There are a lot of different resources out there. Um, I wish I would have known this five years ago when I was going through it, but if you go on Facebook, you could just punch in addiction recovery or whatever. There's so many people now that want to help, and you're not alone. Definitely not alone. So. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us today and telling your story. Thank you. We've been joined today by Dawn Sherma, who is the founder of Dawn's Early Light, A New Day, A New Beginning. Tammy Lauer, who's the president of Dawn's Early Light. They both told their story, and very bravely, I might add, told the story of their daughter and stepdaughter, respectively, and their struggles with opioid dependence and their struggles with recovery. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.